Welcome, NEC Hoops fans. It is week two of our NEC On The Run podcast. My name is Ron Ratner. I am the Senior Associate Commissioner of the Northeast Conference. And as always, I'm here with Ryan Peters, our longtime blogger. You can find him on Twitter at Pioneer underscore Pride. Ryan, we're two weeks into the season. We're down to two undefeated teams in league play. We're going to hit both of them. Uh, so let's get started. Like, no wasting time. Let's get right into our three-point shot. Ryan, get us going. We're looking right at the top of the standings. Let's start with Fairleigh Dickinson, 3-0. and All the prognosticators, myself included, I don't know if we drew this up in the preseason. You know, FDU sitting there at 3-0, and given the season that they had last year. But a lot of credit goes to Tobin Anderson and his squad for taking care of business. First, by dispatching St. Francis Brooklyn on the road last week and then hitting LIU with a scoring barrage at the Rothman. 14 of 28 from deep in that game. That is insane, 50%. Season high, 23 assists, scored 1.26 points per possession. That's not even their best uh, effort for the year. They had more against St. Joseph's in their in their upset there. So just a terrific job of offense, you know, from Tobin Anderson's group. And uh, no one's been able to figure out that offense yet. You know, the Knights have even cracked uh, one point for possession in their opening wing against Merrimack, who has the league's best defense. So just a perfect start. They've taken care of business. They've won the games they're supposed to win. And here they are, 3-0. They have so many weapons. Like, I look, you look at the uh, the league leaders in scoring. They're playing without Haru Blygen, and they're still scored 100 points in, in that game. And credit to LIU, by the way, for, for um, hanging in there and making a run in the second half. And, um, you know, that was a that was a fun game to watch. But can people slow down FDU's attack? What do you think? I would think so. I mean, I think the focus is you really have to try to crowd and slow down Dimitri Roberts and Grant Singleton. They're really the engine of the offense, and they get the team out in transition. So the one key is you have to limit live ball turnovers against FDU. If you give if you give up the live ball, you're in big trouble because they're going to get down the floor and score in a hurry. Those guys are terrific in transition, so you have to eliminate that aspect of it if you're the opponent. But also, too, just making life very difficult for Roberts and Singleton. That's easier said than done. These guys, these are guys who have 100 plus games in their career logged. So they've seen it all. They've done it all. Um, but I think, you know, you just have to face guard them all the time and do your best and frustrate them, tire them out and hope for the best come the second half. Yeah, I mean, watching these games and you watch Dimitri Roberts and Singleton and, you know, you watch Roberts with the ball in his hand and that's junior Robinson level quickness yeah. that we haven't seen here in a while. And that's a not only a weapon in the game, it's a weapon at the end of the game when you're trying to take the ball from them and you get a guy who can hit free throws. But uh, just an impressive three game start for FDU. We'll see where they go from there. Let's take it up north next to Stonehill. Uh, three and one star. This is one of the best starts for an NEC newcomer we've seen. It, it is definitely reminiscent of what we saw from Merrimack in 2019-20. Uh, home sweep this past weekend. Where do the Skyhawks stand in your estimation? I mean, Chris Cross has done an exceptional job and offense was their calling card early, but they played defense this week. You know, they really held Wagner and Central Connecticut to to nothing. You know, going into last Thursday, the Skyhawks were 0-8 in games where they scored less than a point for possession. But this week they were 2-0 in those types of games. And, you know, when they're holding their opponents to 26% shooting from deep, and they simply just kind of made more plays in the second half in both games against Wagner. Isaiah Bur Burnett was basically just uh, a theft artist. He had three steals on three consecutive possessions to kind of spark a 14-2 to two Stonehill run that led them 
to victory. And then against Central Connecticut, you know, they found a way with Shamir Johnson making some threes late. Max Zagorowski had critical back-to-back threes. And so they just made shots late in the game when they had to. Yeah, two things that stand out. One, they got plenty of shooters on that team. Yep. So that's that's a huge weapon. And two is, from watching them this weekend, it's their ability to adapt to different styles of play and still be successful. Like you said it, defensively, they were super impressive this week, and they had been really good on offense leading into conference play and then that first weekend. So that ability to adapt and play, and they'll see a host of different styles as they move through the schedule. Yeah, you know, it's a veteran leadership. They have six guys who have been there, done that, you know, in college basketball. So when you have veteran leadership like that, you can adapt, you can play offense or you can play a defensive minded game. It doesn't matter. And uh, I'm a little surprised by how well they played defensively, but it just kind of goes to show that they're a versatile unit and they're just not going to be a team that has to score 80 points to win a ball game. They've already proven against that. Stonehill three and one now over the first two weeks. Let's move to our other three and O team, St. Francis uh, University. We saw they only played once last week. They had a bye on Thursday. They come into Wagner where we, we've seen, you know, we saw maybe one of the best games in NEC history between those two teams at the Spiro Center a few years ago. Again, another slugfest and the Red Flash were able to come out with the tough road win, held off Wagner in the end. Uh, big game for Josh Cohen. And you. I know you want to talk about not only Josh Cohen, but Max Land. And of course, Landon Moore coming through down the stretch for the flash once again. Yeah, we know Cohen's going to get his points, and he certainly did. And we'll talk to him later in the, in the, the broadcast here to get his take on that, you know, Wagner win where he had 27 points on, uh, you know, 12 field goals made in the contest. But the guard play kind of really steered this victory, in my opinion. Max Land was fantastic, you know, 17 points. He made open threes. He finished in transition. He even flashed his post game a couple times, you know, taking advantage of the smaller guards on Wagner who were guarding him. And then uh, Landon Moore is just a, a stoic freshman. Like the big moment does not bother him at all. He had nine free throws in that second half, uh, six rebounds, five assists, just filling up the stat sheet. And Rob Crimmel's team has something going here. They are cooking now. And, uh, you know, they look really good. They got, you know, they protected their home court in the opening weekend. And they got a tough road win at Wagner. It was nice to see. It was their first road win of the year. So there it is, SFU and FDU atop the standings at 3-0, and followed by an impressive debut uh, performance, 3-1 and Stonehill, and then your Sacred Heart Pioneers, Ryan, at 2-1 and and have won three in a row with their uh, non-conference win over Hartford over the weekend. Those are the top four in the standings right now. And that's our three-point shot. This week, our special guest on NEC Open Mic is St. Francis University oh. redshirt junior forward Josh Cohen. As we know, Josh Cohen, the sixth leading scorer, in the nation this season, and we are ready to pepper you with questions, Josh. You ready to go? Ready to rock and roll. All right. Thanks for joining us. Uh, so you're coming off a really gritty, a gutty 27-point performance at Wagner, uh, road win for the Flash that enabled you to start 3-0 and um, in the league play in first place. Um, it's clear you brought the intensity throughout this game. And um, I know you're a competitive guy, but did that Wagner game have special meaning to you playing in, you know, and around the New York market, you know, with friends and family there. Yeah, it was awesome to be able to play at, uh, be able to play at Wagner this year. I had about 50 uh, family and friends there. Um, I wasn't able to play there last year. So that was like a big, this was a, that was a game circled on my schedule. Definitely. Um, you know, having to watch my team play from afar was really hard for me. 
So being able to play there, being able to play in front of my family and get a W, that was awesome. How's your nose, Josh? You took a shot, probably an inadvertent elbow, you know, playing Wagner is a physical game, but how, how did you feel during the game and after? I, I felt uh, when I when I got initially got hit in the face, I like looked over to the Wagner bench and they looked at me like, oh, like so I, I at first was like, oh, no, like what's going on here? Because I broke my nose um, my sophomore year. So I was like, yeah, we'll see what happens. So my trainer was like, what's well, not broken? We're just going to um, give you a couple of butterflies and you know tape you up and got back out there. And after the game, it hurt a lot more getting a couple of stitches. But it, it was it was the adrenaline was pumping. I was not coming out of that game. So it, uh, it definitely definitely hurt less during the game than after the game. Yeah, you're a gamer, no doubt. I mean, you've had a tremendous first half of the year. You lead league in scoring, field goal percentage. You've attempted 197 field goals, 109 free throws. You're playing 87% of the team's minutes. Are, are you tired? Not really. I mean, I, I kind of, before the season, got conditioned to play the kind of minutes that um, I thought I was going to play. You never know going into the season. But, you know, we have really good um, – Supports like Coach Helton and stuff like and Coach Cram really getting me ready for the season. Uh, I kind of knew it coming in, but we also have like a guy like Justin Liberis who's been like pushing me just like Mark Flagg did and other guys did in the past. Like he's going to be an awesome big in this league. Me and him have been working um, a lot of countless hours. So um, just being able to put the kind of like conditioning in just to be able to ready for the season was I knew it was going to be a focal point. So I knew it coming in a little bit. Yeah, I've written about this and people know about your growth growth spurt in high school, but kind of take me back, you know, early on, what type of player were you before you shot up in height? I, I was a guard. So I, I played the one for my dad from like third grade to eighth grade. And then I played the two going in like my summer going into my freshman year of high school. So I was about six one, six two at tryouts and I was six four at the end of the year. So they put me at the four or five and I didn't even start for my freshman team. Like for most of the year, I started at the end of the year because I was playing the five and I had no idea what I was doing. But my dad was a five. So me and him really worked in that offseason. Um, I didn't get invited back to the varsity like workouts and stuff like going into my sophomore year. So I worked that whole summer, but I also grew like four inches. So I came back at six, eight. So that kind of helps you getting onto the varsity team. So um, I went from like six, one, six, two, my freshman year to six, eight by the end of my sophomore year. So it was it was a big transition. But um, I had the right people in place to kind of put me in position for success. Yeah, you're a true prototypical big, but growing up as a point guard and playing at the two as a freshman in high school, how does that help your game now currently? Uh, it helps a lot with like decision making. I, I think the like for the biggest part, um, just being able to make the reads, especially off of those like when we run those like jungle and rub actions, like just <clears throat> you know whether it hit the guy going back door, or just little things, you know, like that, all that kind of stuff, like making reads, like definitely helped me. Hey, Josh, we've seen you hit the elbow jumper and some runners. You looking to expand your game, hit the three-point line. Does Coach Krimmel give you the green light from three-point range, Luke Ruggery style? Not exactly. Like, <laughs> he can't, the way he explains it is, you know, I, I got to do what I got to do to put our team in a position to win games. Right now, hitting threes is not putting our team in a position to win. Like, it's not within the offense, but um, I, I worked on it this summer. Um, I've worked on it in the fall and coming into this year, I, I'm not really ready for it yet, but um, it's definitely going to become part of my game, you know, going forward. Yeah, I got to put Kyle on the spot here, you know, because you had a runner against Wagner, you know, kind of that second half where it was like Tim Duncan-esque, like late in the shot clock, you somehow like 
got, went to your right and banked it off the glass. It was a remarkable shot. So we got to pull that up, but kind of shows the expansion of your range a bit. Um, you know, one thing you mentioned about your improved fitness, but one thing that I've always been impressed with, especially this year, is your footwork. Like you're not your typical big man who just kind of just goes into the half court, leans against your opponent, and then sets up for the post entry. You're moving around a lot. You're you're constantly moving. You're in motion, trying to find a way to get open. Take me through like how you've improved your footwork since when you started redshirting at St. Francis. Um, well, Coach Krimmel and uh, you know Coach T, who's a Hall of Famer at our school. Um, and Coach Helton, Coach McConnell, all of them kind of played a whole factor in every part of my game, which is pretty cool. Like I've I've been able to work with all of them, and I've I've kind of gained some knowledge. But the guy that I've worked with the most is Coach Helton, and the one thing that he always says to me is like, just get your post touches low, just try and get low, um, try and get them as low as possible um, to be able to put yourself in a position for success. So I mean, it's a lot of repetition. It's it's just a lot of. I mean, I keep it simple. I'm not doing all these crazy things, you know. Just um, keeping my seals low. And then when I catch the ball, just make the reads, you know, like I, like I said, you know, from the elbow, I make like different reads. And then when it, when it gets to the box, kind of the same thing. So I just kind of, I kind of play off what the other players doing, you know, Josh, let's switch gears a bit. Uh, you know, we're in this transfer portal age and, um, within that, uh, coach Krimmel's done a great job retaining talent in Loretto. You look from, you know, Keith Braxton, Jamal King, Earl Brown, yourself, um, long stays in, you know, in the, within the program. What does it mean to you to be a member of the Red Flash community and, and the community and out, out there in Western PA? I mean, it's, it's awesome. So, you know, I, I went back this summer, we had a lot of alumni come back and I got to meet all them and I've seen them at all of our games. It's, it's, we're a family here, you know, guys like Keith, Isaiah, um, you know, they could have easily went somewhere else after their sophomore or junior years, but they, they want to be a part of something special. And that's kind of like what all of us have kind of bought into. Um, you know, we haven't been winning the last couple of years, but we've been building up towards that. So, you know, I, my, my end goal is to bring a championship here. And, you know, I, I love the people here. I love Coach Cram. I, I love all the coaches here. So, you know, this, this is my home. So it's kind of kind of that's that's my gear. That's my only gear, to be honest with you. Great answer. Um, we talked about, I love getting Jersey guys on, on the podcast here and we talked to media day. I know you said you played against Rob Higgins um, growing up. Uh, I enjoyed watching you play last weekend against Andrew Sims at, at Stonehill. Did you guys have, um, who's also from, from um, South Jersey. Did, do you guys have battles growing up at all in AU ball? No, I, I actually had no idea that Sims played for uh, the Jersey Shore Warriors until I talked to a guy after the game, um, Mark Flagg. Uh, we keep, we, me and him are still uh, close friends, but he told me that Sims had played AU on the Warriors. I played on the Warriors. I had no idea that he played like a year up from me, but no, I never got to play Sims until uh, the other night. But yeah, it was just. I, how is that now? You know, there's another guy who can play down in the post. He's a very versatile player. What's it like playing against a big like him? What was that battle like? Honestly, I going into the game, I, I know he's a he's a very skilled player. Um, I had seen that he had a really success, successful season last year. Um, I respect his game. Um, he has he is pretty solid. Some like some surprising moves, like you see it on film, and then um, you come to play him in the game. It's a little bit different, but no, he's definitely a respectable player. And uh, you know, I I'm, I'm excited to play him again. We get another shot at him. So, all right, last question. We're going to let you go to win it all this year. St. Francis University needs to fill in the blank. Stay focused. Um, we've talked about that in our post games. Um, that's our new word going into the new year after uh, Robert Morris, Coach Cream came into the to the locker room. And um, when we all got back, 
He said, our, our word is going to be focused. We have it written on our board, um, focus on every practice, every lift, uh, every game. So we're just going to, we're going to stay focused throughout the year. Well, there we go. St. Francis University's Josh Cohen joining us on the NEC Open Mic. Thanks so much for taking time out of your schedule, Josh. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, I really appreciate all the things you guys do for the league. Next up is our weekly heat check, and we're going to start out in Hackensack with NEC Co-Player of the Week, Dimitri Roberts. Welcome to the heat check, Mr. Roberts. He is the engine, as I mentioned earlier, of Fairleigh Dickinson's offense. Last week, 23 points, five assists per game while shooting 53% from the floor. And we mentioned it earlier, he's just so lethal, not just because of his speed and his handle, but he's also remarkably controlled. Like he doesn't turn the ball over at that speed, which you typically see a lot of in at the division one level. So he's third in the league at scoring in 17 a game, first in assists, but also sixth in assist to turnover ratio. So he's just a, a wonderful blend of scoring, of facilitating, of, being in control, but being lightning quick to take advantage of his transition opportunities. I love watching Demetri Roberts play. I think we all do. Now let's go from lightning quick to brutally strong up at Merrimack. Jordan Miner is coming off a great week. Yeah, he's heating up four straight games now with 16 or more points in his latest effort in a, a home victory against St. Francis Brooklyn. He posted 22 and eight, and that was after an 18 and 13 effort in a loss against Sacred Heart. So he's playing really well and his game's mature. And we talked about in week one with his ability to, to find open teammates with the assist, but now he's making shots at the charity stripes. Now you really got to watch out. He made 76% of his shots at the free throw line over his first four NEC games. And if you could do that, I mean, I don't know what, what you can do. You can't really do a hack of Jordan anymore, you know? So he's just going to, he's going to beat you on the offensive glass. He's going to beat you in the post. He's going to beat you at the free throw line. He can run in transition. He's got that kind of athleticism. So he's obviously the complete package. I'm not saying anything new here. Ryan, we have some great bigs in this league this year between Josh Cohen and Andrew Sims and Jordan Miner and others. So it's been fun to watch them, but I also love me a good shooter. And they got one down in uh, Brooklyn this year. Marco Malatich, one of the most impressive newcomers in the league this season. He absolutely caught fire in Saturday's game at FDU. Yeah, 8 of 11 from deep in that game. But he also chipped in uh, six boards and a, and a steal for good measure. But now hitting 39% of his threes on the year. And the thing that's so impressive with, uh, with Malatich is he's making 60% of his unguarded catch and shoot threes per synergy. So if you leave him open, you're dead. Like 60% is a tremendous number. And, uh, you know, he, he's also been crafty inside the arc too. He's shooting 47% on 43 runners this season. And he's also 58% at the rim. So he's not your one trick pony, at least not so far this year for LIU. He's doing it at all levels on the basketball court. He's been great. And by the way, Ryan, I know if we left you open, and there's no way you're hitting 60% that you're on guard at threes. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Maybe in my 20s, but not right now. <laughs> all right. That's our heat check. Dimitri Roberts, Jordan Miner, and Marco Malatich all lighting it up this past week. Next up is our stat chat. And Ryan, we got to look to Tanner Thomas here. Talk to me about, once again, absolutely going off at Merrimack's Hamill Court. What, what's two straight seasons now? 
I mean, that baby right hook is just working at Hamill Court. I don't know what to say. You know, 16 points, 14 rebounds in a game that Sacred Heart needed every single point to win against Merrimack. And now in two games at Merrimack in his career, he's averaging 21 and a half points, nine and a half rebounds while shooting 85% from the field. I won't go over the other numbers in the rest of Tanner Thomas's career, but let's just say he loves playing at Merrimack. And he probably should transfer there in the offseason just so he can play 12 to 14 games at Hamill Court, honestly. An impressive performance once again from Tanner Thomas uh, in Sacred Heart's win at Merrimack last Thursday. And that's our stat chat. Our game to watch this week is always one that we have circled on the calendar. The rivalry, the neighborhood rivalry, the Brooklyn rivalry. St. Francis, Brooklyn, LIU. Now they're separated by less than a half a mile of pavement. We get them back on NEC TV. It's our opener on Martin Luther King Day, Monday, January 16th, 7 p.m. on ESPN3 and SNY. We've had so many great games between these two teams in the past. It doesn't matter if one of them's up, one of them's down, vice versa, or if they're both evenly matched. The fans are into it, and I'm looking forward to this one again, Ryan. Yeah, this is Rod Strickland's first taste of the rivalry, so that's going to be fun. But yeah, I'm looking at the guard play here. I'm, you know, Rob Higgins has had a nice year for St. Francis Brooklyn. You know, R.J. Green's been kind of a, you know, he's had his moments as a freshman for sure. So I'm kind of looking at that battle between the one. And then obviously we talked about Malatich, you know, his three-point shooting. St. Francis Brooklyn is really good at limiting three-point opportunities from their opponents. So I'm sure Glenn Brake is going to be having a guy face guard Malatich right when he crosses half court. So that'll be interesting to see how many attempts he actually can get off. And if LIU could kind of take advantage of them getting up and down the floor, which they like to do. They're currently fifth in the country in tempo. There you have it. Coming up on MLK Day, St. Francis, Brooklyn, LIU renew their rivalry on NEC TV. And just as a reminder, you can watch the rest of the week's games on NECfrontrow.com or on the NEC on the Run series of streaming apps. As a reminder, we are on Saturday, Monday this week, not Thursday, Saturday. Uh, we are Saturday, Monday. All teams will be playing on MLK Day. And uh, we look forward to catching you all out at the games. That's a wrap on the NEC on the Run podcast, week two. Ryan Peters, thank you once again for joining us. My pleasure, Ron.